the seed of unhappiness centers around comparison. When you start comparing yourself to other things, then you start generating emotions sometimes that are negative and they take away from your ability to propel. Coming up, Ariane talks with wealth expert Lee Brower, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. the first 30 days. I'm Ariane, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Lee Brower. Lee is a leading wealth expert and the founder of the Quadrant Living Experience, an international educational and philanthropic organization that helps families create enduring legacies that last through multiple generations. Lee was also recently featured in the blockbuster book and movie, The Secret, where he shared invaluable insights about gratitude, and other tools for success. Lee, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the first three days. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I've been looking forward to this call all morning. Well, good, good. And I guess I wanted to start with, the, with uh, a question about something I read on your website, which is that you are you're hailed as the change agent of our time, which I, I'm sure I agree with. What I would love to know is what, what do you want to help change in the world? Well, I think for you to understand that you need to know just a little bit of background. Okay. And coming out of, I, you know, I started in the financial services industry in, in um the 1970s. Out of college, I was very fortunate to work with a firm that allowed me to be a fly on the wall on some very famous estates, um, former presidents, actors, business owners, etc. I was just very blessed to be in that position. Over time, set up my own practice, started working with affluent families, and uh, somewhere along the way, realized that the business of estate planning, which is the intention is to transfer, successfully transfer the bulk of our assets to where we want them to go. And for most families, historically, that's always been to the next generation or succeeding generations. Um, a disturbing statistic became apparent that's a worldwide statistic, and that is that roughly less than 4% of all family businesses ever make it past that third generation. Wow. And uh, so, I, so I, what it did for me was created a real void, a vacuum, if you will, because I had felt so complete that I was doing a worthy cause in helping families move their financial assets into future generations. And then the reality of what was happening was that, that regardless of the intellectual experience of figuring out the right way to organize and put assets together and holdings together um, and structure the documents to support that going forward had very little to do with the success of those assets making it past that second, third, and fourth generation. And in that process then, uh, I asked myself, what is my stewardship responsibility to my wealth? And when does it end? Yep. And uh, realize that I have a stewardship responsibility first, and that, that it, in properly constructed, it should never end, even after I'm long gone. And so having asked that question, it led to a series of other questions, which uh, eventually we started seeing. Once you ask the question, the universe seems to respond, but you've got to ask the question. And um, so once the question was asked and properly framed, then the answer started coming. And the reality is that what we've discovered is that um, in order for assets, uh, financial assets, to move through the generations, then there has to be, um, it, it really has very little to do with the planning on the financial assets and has to do with those assets that we value or have greater value or that we would not sell for money 
and how we deal with those. So yep. if you looked at it this way, everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. And, uh, would, and if you were to ask the majority of the population, would you rather have Tiger Woods trophies and clubs or would you rather have Tiger Woods swing and course knowledge? Most people would say swing and course knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yet the industry of estate planning is all structured around how do we divide up all of the clubs and the trophies and pass those on to our kids and has very little to do with how do we capture the swing and the experiences and the relationships and the contacts and everything else and move that on into future generations. So we evolved in our thinking into how do we move the swing and how do we move the experiences and the knowledge into future generations because... When you really evaluated, well, what I did was I started asking the question, do you have assets that you value more than your money? And I would get responses, well, certainly my family, my health, my values. I wouldn't sell my health for more money. I wouldn't sell my values for more money. What about your experiences? Would you sell your experiences for more money? And the answer was obviously not. No, my experiences are my wisdom. And so as we really looked at that, then we started saying, have you done estate planning? Yes. Where did you focus? Well, we focused on moving our money into future generations. And um, if you could only transfer one thing into future generations, which one would you leave behind? Or, you know, and, and everybody said the money. Mm-hmm. And that's where we broke it down into four distinct categories, and that's where we came up with the quadrants. Right. So you have your, your core assets, which are your values, your health, your family, those things that are intrinsic to your health, happiness, and well-being. Um, you have your experience assets, which are all the experiences and relationships that you have. So your reputation, your education, the networks, your skills that you develop, how you do things, all fall into the experience category. It's kind of extrinsic, whereas your core assets are intrinsic. Your unique ability is something that you're born with. Your skills are something that you develop, and so that's a distinction between the two. Your contribution is where you give back, and we've since learned that that's probably the most critical of the four, um, because it's the glue that holds everything together, and it's also the element that overcomes the addiction to our things. Yeah. And then finally, the financial. So those are the four areas, and what we discovered was that if you could only transfer three of those categories to future generations, 100% of the people say they would leave the financial behind because they know that if their children have inherited good core assets, good experience assets, and have a good contribution basis, that the financial will take care of itself. But if they're deficit in the other categories, the financial goes away, and all of a sudden there was a big aha in me that said, okay, this is why financial wealth goes away, is because the focus is entirely on the financial. Yep. So we started working with families, and when you start working with families that are third and fourth generation wealth creators, the third and fourth generation, a lot of those develop an attitude of scarcity. They're afraid to contribute back because they don't want to put at risk what they already have. They're afraid, and so they operate out of a basis of scarcity, and they really truly have the attitude that they've been born on third base, and they really believe that they hit a triple and so they have this different mentality. So we start developing systems and skills on how do you motivate, educate, and elevate third-generation wealth creators to the level to where they start thinking like first-generation wealth creators. Right. And somewhere along that process, somebody said, what you're doing is wrong to limit, to limit your experiences and the things that you're learning to only those people that have money because everybody needs to learn these principles. If you can motivate third-generation wealth creators who are sitting on third base and don't know how they got there, imagine what you could do if you could take these same principles and then take them out to everybody. Yep. So our vision, and so all of that was background contextual to bring us back to your question, 
and our vision of what we do is that we are I am an intellectual capitalist and in the business of creating systems that allow individuals, families and businesses to optimize or capitalize all of their assets, the yeah. tangible and the intangible to bank those assets so that they can appreciate and grow in value so that others can withdraw them and make them better. Lovely mission statement. I love it. Lee, for for someone who is in the beginning stages of handling their finances, realizing that they need to put a lot more attention, intention, care on this part of their assets in their life, they're in the first 30 days of generally making more money. How do they start? What do they think about? What must they do? What mistakes must they avoid? All right. First of all, um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to sidebar for just a second, if I can, just because of your last question. Sure. Okay. And that is that I will not tell you what mistakes to avoid. One of the things that I've learned and that we've implemented in all the companies that we consult with if we're looking back at an event or we're looking back at certain things, we don't say, what did we do wrong? All we focus in on is, what did we do good, and how can we do more of that? I want to get back to really regular, normal people as well right. as the corporations. How do you start really looking at your money and your wealth in a different way? You're in All the right. first 30 days. What counts? What matters? First and foremost, celebration, <laughs> which, is a part of gra- which is a part of gratitude. You have to introduce celebration into your life. Because you're fueled by the emotions that you have. And all unhappiness, the, the seed stone, the seed of unhappiness centers around comparison. And so, you know, when you start comparing yourself to other things, start comparing to this, to that, then you start generating emotions sometimes that are negative and they take away from your ability to propel. So celebrate who you are, celebrate your achievements of that day, celebrate what you are, celebrate where you're going, celebrate your vision, celebrate your opportunities, celebrate where you live, celebrate all of the things that you have going and develop systems. W. Edwards Deming, who is the great system person out of Japan, you know, that worked with Toyota, that took Japan and Toyota up to the elevation that they are now, you know, his one of his rules was 94% of all failure is a result of the system. Yep. And so when I think about that, I think, well, geez, that means when I go to blame somebody for something, I only have a 6% chance of being right. Mm, that's very well said. So... I look at the systems first, and one of the systems that I encourage and that absolutely are implemented in every single business that we have is the system of capturing those and celebrating those positive experiences that we continue to have. Otherwise, we move at such a fast pace that we're not able to capture those. And capturing and banking our experiences is incredibly important. So for someone who is in the first three days of getting out of debt or moving into more money, it would be celebrating everything and anything that has nothing to do with their money or everything and where well, it would ha- everything, everything and everything including their money. Okay. Okay. Not excluding their money, but including their money. Okay. I am healthy. I'm able to go out and do these things. I have a wonderful support system in my family. I have great experiences. I have a great desire and a reputation. I have an interest to be able to help others. And financially, I, I'm on a course that I think will generate the revenue that we need to generate. Great. But the next thing, now you always operate off of a vision. In our companies, we do not allow the word goals. Hmm. Not allowed. Because? Goals, because goals paralyze. Goals paralyze. Okay, and they slow you down, and you're always working against your goals, and now you're comparing. So what do we work off? And that is we work off of vision. And so you have to be very, very clear. 
And when you have that clarity of the vision of what you can achieve, then you have energy. Energy is always a byproduct of clarity, mm-hmm. always. You think about it, whether it's in your business or in your family, when you are aligned, whether it's just with you and your spouse starting a little family business or you've got a larger corporation, when everybody's aligned on the vision, they're really clear, energy goes up. When the vision is ambiguous, energy goes down. Yep. So you get very clear about where you're going and what you're doing. That's number one. So you want to have your vision and you work off of your vision. The second thing is you've got to be in motion. You have to be in motion because nothing happens till you're in motion. I can, you know, I can't trim the sails till I leave the port. And uh, to get into motion, you don't have to pull the anchor up and throw it in the boat. All you have to do is lift that anchor up one inch. Yep. When you lift the anchor up in one inch, you're in motion. And once an object's in motion, it tends to what? Stay in motion. So get in motion. So ask yourself this question, now that I have this vision, today, what small step can I take today? What small steps can I or we take today that will move us closer to that vision? And And by getting in motion, then you have the law of what we call precession, or we might call strategic byproducts. But once you're in motion, you can then start adjusting to the wind. You will start attracting. If you're in motion to your vision and you're using your positive thoughts generated by your celebration, you will start attracting to you those relationships and those opportunities that will help you be successful. But without the vision and without being in motion, you cannot attract those relationships and opportunities. As new relationships and opportunities come to you, then it's important not to forget to celebrate. What did we learn from that experience? How can we make it better? And so you're celebrating that experience and asking yourself the question, how do we bank this, and then how do we get an interest return on this? And the interest return is that you have to capture that experience. And so you capture the experience. One of the great pitfalls that I see in businesses that start today is they really don't have a vision. They have a hope. They don't work off of that vision. They work off of their hope. Secondly, they don't ask themselves, before every meeting, they don't ask themselves, you must ask yourself, what small, small step can we take, and then what is, what is it that I want to achieve by this effort? I want to go back to vision and, and just a one person's vision. Someone who wants to transform their wealth and their finances, how do they get clear on what their vision is? Is their vision a number? Is their vision... A, a state of being um, with wealth, do they put a time frame on it? How do you act, accurately create a vision when it has to do with your finances and your wealth? Essentially what you do is you're saying, okay, if I was sitting here, I ask myself the following question. If I were sitting here three years from today or one year from today, you determine whatever time period you want to work with. What has to have happened for me to feel outrageously excited or satisfied or just even satisfied? What has to have happened for me to feel satisfied with the progress up to that point? And then that become then you go through and you identify that. And then you sit you so once you identify that, now you're starting to get your vision of where you see yourself and where you're going to be. Got it. Okay. Once you have that vision, now time is a relative thing because if we say, okay, I've got to have it by this date, by this date, by this date, some people have a tendency. And so you're trying to apply this to all people, but a lot of people tend to put things off to the last moment. They will do the less important things and they have a sense of being in motion, you know, and they're doing this and they're doing that, but they won't get critical on what can I do that will get me closer to that vision until it gets closer to that date. And on the other hand, you have people that work off of goals that will take out of the blocks and they'll go and then all of a sudden they'll realize, hey, I'm not going to reach my goal by that date, and they stop. They go back to port and they want to start over again. The key to everything really is to say, okay, here is my vision. And once I'm into motion, how can I sustain that vision? 
I mean, how can I sustain that motion by just getting in motion every single day? But I have to. So what we do in our companies, for example, is that each day, each employee asks themselves, what three small steps can I do today that will move me closer? If I could only do three things today and only three things today, and they start with one. We work them down to three. We go. The first thing is if I could only do one thing today and only one that would get me closer to my vision, what would that one thing be? And then once you say, if you achieve that, then we ask the same question. Knowing that, what would it be? And we get them to three. Right. And then we say, how many, I mean, you know, how many people make lists? lists? Lists are killers. For some people, there's about 5 to 10% of the population that can actually work very effectively off lists. The others get a mental satisfaction of making a list, but, they, but then they, how many people do you know that make lists and write something down that they've already done just so they can check it off? Yes. Okay. I've so been they guilty this, of doing that sometimes. Well, I've done it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I make the list and go, okay, I'm going to write that one down. Check it off. Boom. Yeah. Check it off. Good. That's good. And I'm on my way. And so it, it moves us. A, 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 lot of the, a lot of us, it moves us over into this sense of getting things done, but we're not doing the things that are the most important that will move us towards that vision. So yeah. we say to everybody, before you start on your list, identify your three things. What are the three most important things that you can do today if you did nothing else that would move you closer to your vision? And then you can work on your list and then work everything else. We get those done. And what we found is that our production just increases tremendously. Mm-hmm. People that start new businesses, people that are starting to get financially strong you have this whole big to-do list and they will go to where there's the least resistance and they need to go in terms of if you could only do one thing and only one thing and it had to be done of all that whole list which would it be and then attack that one just get into motion all right what small step can i take towards that today once you get into motion you tend to stay in motion years ago i had a great leader by the name of john wooden who's a dear friend of mine one of the greatest hall of fame coaches ever when he went in the seventh grade his dad gave him seven things that he should remember to do for the rest of his life and one of the things said you should read from the good book daily especially the bible read from good books daily especially the bible uh, so I'm asking John this in his late 80s. I said, John, have you done that? And he says, Lee, I may not have done it every day, but I can't remember when I haven't. Mm-hmm. And I said, geez, you know, here I'm getting up a little bit. And I stop, start, set goals, stop, start, set goals, stop, start. So I'm going to do it. So then I did it, and I set goals. And I stopped, start, stop, start, went through it. And I saw him again. He says, Lee, how are you coming on that? And I said, well, <laughs> just like I always have. For a while I do it. For a while I don't. For a while I do it. For a while I don't. And he says, all right, here's the key. Read one word a day mm-hmm. from the Bible. One word. I said, John, just, he said, just read one word a day. I said, okay. And that was 10 years ago. I've never missed a day since. What was the word today? And I've never read just one word. Mm-hmm. I've always read so much more. And so the point being, just by getting in motion towards that vision or towards that achievement that you need to get done first, so much more gets accomplished. And when I lived in the world of goals, I got to read 10 pages or 20 pages a day, whatever it was, and I missed a day. The next day I had to read 20. And now I'm telling myself, what's my self-talk? I start saying to myself, geez, I set these goals, I didn't achieve it. I'm generating those emotions that are going to work against me. I'm sending these vibrations out to the universe that is not going to attract what I want to attract. So by getting into motion, if I set my vision, I want to start on a new journey to become financially um, independent. What does that mean to me is the first question I have to ask. What does that mean to me? And I said, well, maybe that means I don't have any debt. Okay, well, be more specific. What does that mean to you? Okay, you get it right down. So to achieve that, what things have to have happened? Well, I need to be able to generate more money. What does that mean to you? Well, that means I have to generate X amount of dollars. Okay, perfect. 
Okay, now, you know, and you just, you keep moving it till your, your vision gets very clear, and then you just say, what did I, at the end of each day, what did I do right today that moved me closer to that vision, and how can I do more of that? You don't say, what did I not do today? You know, uh, you don't generate, I'm a failure, because it's just going to continue to perpetuate itself. What did I do right today that's moving me closer towards that vision of being independent? financially independent or running this new business or making it go. Now, how can I do more of that tomorrow? The emotions that are being engendered at that particular moment are positive emotions. You're getting a sense of accomplishment. Your confidence is going up. Yes, I did this. By focusing on what I didn't do, your confidence goes down. One of the greatest attractants in the entire world is true confidence. It will attract great relationships, great opportunities. One of the great repellents in the world is lack of confidence or arrogance, which is an outward display of a lack of confidence. So, you know, I mean, so it, you, you have to protect your confidence in everything that you do. Mm. And so what did we do right? How can we do more of it? Terrific. I love it. Um, I'm scribbling down, taking notes for me personally and professionally right here with my business. Um, Lee, what, for people who are in the first few days, first few weeks, anything that you've seen with people that is likely to show up, throw them off course, become a hurdle? How do we keep people going well beyond the first 30 days where, sure, life, the universe might test them a little bit? What what most helps to keep people charging forward? Well, it goes back to what I think the very first thing is develop systems that allow you to celebrate the blessings in your life because your confidence is the most important thing to the whole equation. And that comes from gratitude. It all starts from gratitude. You know, appreciation, uh, when you really think about the word in terms of, um, uh, and I'm going to give you another clue here, too. Uh, but I'm going to finish this. Just I just had to say it out loud so I would remember. I'm crossing my fingers, so I'll go back to it. Yep. But, um, you know, all um, uh, gratitude and appreciation in the investment world. When somebody, If somebody were to come to you and say, your portfolio has appreciated, does that mean that your portfolio has increased in value or decreased in value? Increased. All right. So if I want to increase something in my life, it starts with appreciation. So if I want to increase the value, it starts with appreciation. If I want to appreciate, if I want to increase the value with my spouse, with my children, with my neighbors, then I need to come from a space of gratitude and start appreciating those good things about them and their value automatically goes up. If I want to increase the value of the day, then I start by appreciating the things that happened. So everything begins from that space. Now, do bad things happen to good people? Okay. If you follow the secret, one of the where I would diverge from some of the teachers in the secret. Some of the teachers in the secret truly believe that through the law of attract that the law of attraction is the law, the law in and of itself, okay? And, Just for uh, the people listening, can you explain that? Um, yeah, they're basically saying that with, when, you have, when you have the law of attraction working for you, which is the law of attraction, you will attract unto you everything that happens into your life. You will attract all of the great things. You will attract all of the negative things. If you develop a disease, it's because you attracted it to you. If you, um, you know, I mean, if, if, um, I mean, anything and everything, you control everything in your life, yep. period. Now, I diverge from that. I think that the law of attraction is an incredibly powerful law that works in harmony with all of the other laws. There are laws of nature that are laws in and of them, you know, I mean, that are laws that have to work in synchronicity with everything else. There are laws of choice and control, laws of agency, um, you know, that happen. So I believe that 
um, where the law of attraction comes into place, you may have a law of nature that comes in and blows your house down. Yeah. Did you attract that to you? I don't believe so. I believe that the laws all work together. Mm-hmm. Now, what you can attract at that point is how you react to that. You do have control over how you react and what you will continue to attract to you thereafter. Mm-hmm. So a law that I work from is always make your experience, or always make your learning greater than your experience. If you always make your learning greater than your experience, then your experiences are always an asset to you. So when you're in this first 30 days of starting your business and you operate from a space of gratitude, what are the great things in my life? What are the opportunities that I have in my life? What are the great things about me? How am I blessed? I've got great health. I've got this. I've got that. You're operating from that space, but then, wham, you thought you had your deal closed, you had this direction you were moving, and the door slammed shut right in your face, and you just feel like somebody just kicked the stool out from under you, okay? I know that well, yes. We all know Sure, we all do. Okay. We all know it. So then you have to be able to step back and ask yourself, okay, how do I make the learning greater than the experience? And when you do that, that can automatically move you into a space of gratitude, of knowing that, okay... For some reason, this happened. How can I be stronger, better out of it? What other opportunities are going to open up as a result of that door being closed? And you kind of move on. Now, there's a process of what I refer to as, and this goes back, I think, to Bucky Fuller. I don't know who talked about it originally, but it's called perturbation. And perturbation, perturbation, where our systems, our personal systems become disturbed. Okay, And it happens, perturbation can happen in tragedy. It can happen in success. It can happen in any of life's events. It can happen on a day-to-day basis. But perturbation is where elements of your own personal system disintegrate. So if I'm on a track and somebody kicks the stool out from underneath me, then I move into a space of what we call perturbation. And so my systems are shaking. They're just falling. They're kind of coming apart. And when you have perturbation or any kind of disintegration, then you have the opportunity to reintegrate. And as long as you can magnetize those great qualities that we possess and keep them intact as you reintegrate with the new elements of experience, experiential assets that you've now acquired, you are reinvented or reintegrated into the new you, if you will, that is bigger and better and stronger. Right. So it's the process of growing that things, these things happen. In our lives, it's such a blessing to be able to have had years of experience really kind of being able to look at things, to stand away from yourself, step out of it. Look at it and say, what are we learning? Mm. Look how blessed we are in so many of these other ways because it empowers us to be able to get through yeah. various challenges or obstacles that come our way. I, I meet people every day who, who have real tragedy and real crises. And I think what you're saying in terms of trying to focus on wh- what is great and what is beautiful and, and being grateful is something people really need to hear I mean, I'd love you to chat and just jump in and say your story about the gratitude rock. I, I know what it is. I've actually had one for probably five, six years. Good for but you. But I'd love to hear it from you. All right. Well, um, I think, you know, I think we put the story out a little bit on, uh, you know, with our daughter, the daughter, the very one that's going into rehab again. Um, you know, what a, what a, somewhat, we've learned so much from her. And um, she's such a blessing to us. And uh, she's not recalcitrant. She's not uh, disobedient. She's just sick mm. with addiction. 
but I remember the first time that we were that I was putting her into rehab, and she's grown. I mean, anyway, but I remember the first time I put her into rehab, and Natalie has um, always she has had the nickname. Somebody gave her a, a nickname of Mariposa when mm. she was um, butterfly. Uh huh. Twelve years old. Yep. And um, so we've always called her Mariposa. She's always collected butterflies, and she has butterfly necklaces and stuff, you know. And so I remember looking at her as I was getting ready to put her into, uh, send her off to rehab. You know, and she looked at me, she had these tears in her eyes, and I was hugging her, and she put back to me, and she said, I'm so sorry, Dad. I'm just so sorry. I said, honey, why are you sorry? I've just let you down. I've let the entire family down, you know, and I just didn't. And I said, look, if you go through this experience and you come through on the other end of it better, is it worth going through? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, if you allow me to go through this experience with you as well and the rest of your family, and we come out the other side, do you think we'll be better or worse? And she thought, she says, well, better. All right, so if you're going to be better and we're going to be better, well, let's get going with it. Mm-hmm. I said, you, you've been known, you've had the nickname Mariposa, and you've known the struggle of the caterpillar, you've known the loneliness of the cocoon, and now you're going to experience the flight and the beauty of the butterfly. So let's get going. So um, we sent her off. I was uh, in Newport Beach the very next day, and I was contemplating and walking along the beach and just really thinking about everything. And I looked down, and I saw this gray rock with a black imprint on it. It was flat. I picked it up and looked, and lo and behold, is the image of a butterfly in flight. Wow. And uh, I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, I started, I actually got very emotional standing there on the beach, and it was early in the morning, and... uh, um, I went back and wrote her a note just where I captured the experience of what had happened the day before, and I FedExed it to her. Mm. And I went back down on the beach, and I said, you know, I, I, I would like to have something symbolic of this experience, and so I started looking for rocks. Yeah. And from that day on, I've carried a rock in my pocket. I collected, you know, I pick up rocks wherever I go. I give so many of them away, and, and I end up with rocks in my pocket, and uh, with a rock in my pocket usually you know no matter where I am or what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and and that's just to remind me every morning when I put my wallet in my pocket there's that rock I put the rock in and it reminds me to stay in that it's a system it's it's really a system that allows me to stay in that attitude of gratitude to where I begin the day by thinking about the things that I've got ahead of me and I ask myself all right in these meetings that I'm having what do I appreciate about the people that I'll be talking to or I'll be meeting with or working with what would I like them to know? Yep. What would I like them to, how would I like them to feel? And what would I like them to do? And uh, and at the end of the day, then I, and during the day when I touch it, I'm thankful of, of thinking of the things that are I'm grateful for. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I take it out of my pocket. And again, it brings me back to that space of gratitude where I can capture what happened during the day that was of value. Yeah. And, um, and then I write it in my journal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're actually creating now a, a journal, a gratitude journal that's built around the quadrants that mm-hmm. we're going to have, you know, will be available for everybody here shortly, but uh, just based after the same thing that I've used for years and years and years. They're just yep. stiffing it up so they have little quotes on them and all that fancy cute stuff, but it's essentially what I've been using for years and years. Great. But um, So that's how the Gratitude Rock began. And now, you know, when we were in Chile in April, um, we ran into a family there that had Gratitude Rocks in their pocket, you know, the mm-hmm. whole family. We uh, I get email from uh, all over the place. And um, it's just amazing how that spread. You know, it's a just, wonderful you know. thing to have woken people up to all around the world, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm very I'm, simple. I, and I get people that stop me and they go, are you, are you the rock guy? <laughs> <laughs> you never thought that would be how you'd be described one day. No. 
But, it's so, but I'm it's, proud to be the rock guy. Yeah, very proud. Such a great metaphor, especially for the other things you're doing with your life, whether it's financial and wealth. It creates such a rock and foundation for yeah. people as well, where there's so much fear around that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I look at wealth, and this might be something that might be helpful to you. I, I break wealth down into four buckets, you know, really. And you, and you have to feed those buckets, and you have to get a handle on those buckets. And I really believe that if people will base those buckets on you know, by you know, we talked about clarity, but you need to have the balance in what you're doing. Balance always brings speed. You don't carry. If I'm going to work every day worrying about my family, problems with my family, I'm, it's, I'm less effective when I go to work, when I try and build. If I go to work thinking, geez, I need to be able to help others, I'm not balanced, and so I'm less effective. If, you know, and so if I go to work saying, geez, I'm not using my talents or my unique ability the way I should be using them or, or capitalizing on my experiences, then I'm out of balance and I lose velocity. So balance is really important for velocity. So we talked about clarity before. Second is balance. The third, then, is focus. Focus is trajectory. If, if I'm able to focus on my unique ability in those activities that generate the greatest results, then I'm going to increase my accuracy, which means I get things done with less effort, I, I less waste. So we look at clarity, balance, focus. If you have the vision, it gives you the clarity, gives you energy. If you use the quadrants to stay balanced, in other words, how am I staying balanced? That doesn't mean I have to spend equal time. That's very critical. It does not mean I spend equal time. That's not what balance means with all of the things that are important in my life. It means yep. that I touch those things daily. So I am there's what am I going to do today to show more love for my family? And all I have to do is just write them a note. I don't have to spend equal time. I may not be able to go and spend all, watch all of Johnny's soccer tournament. Mm-hmm. I may not be able to do all these other things. But if I can touch it daily, I eliminate that guilt or that baggage, that what I call wobble, that I'm able to have that velocity and not carry that with me. What can I do today to capture the experiences or build my unique ability or develop my relationships? And what can I do for others? Maybe I go through a drive through restaurant, something my son taught me years ago, and just pay for the car behind me. Yeah. We do that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just a way of doing something for others anonymously that eliminates that again. It gives you that speed and velocity, eliminates that wobble so you're staying balanced. So balance is critical. Then focus. We've created a mantra this year in our business. Be willing to let go of the important thing to accomplish the essential. Mm-hmm. So much waste is done on doing important things. And our minds will justify and rationalize that they're important. So stay focused on the essential. What is my unique ability? What is my vision? And how can I optimize that? And even though you can do so many things well and so many people are crying for your help, that the distraction of doing very important things at the expense of the essential is probably the biggest cost in not getting accomplished what you want to get accomplished. If you have those three things, if you truly are have clarity, if you truly have the balance, you truly have the focus, then you will have that confidence, which we talked about earlier, which is the greatest attractant. Hmm. Now, moving all those things forward, if I'm saying practical and somebody's coming to me and saying, I want to become financially solvent, can you give me some rules to follow by? I said, absolutely. First and foremost, you have four buckets. First bucket is gratitude. Do something for others. So give back first. Prime the pump. So always, you know, we always recommend, we start with our children, anybody I'm giving advice to, I don't care how much money you are not making, take at least 10% and let's start allocating it right now, giving it back to causes that you support and enjoy. Give back. That will change your confidence. That will change your attitude. That will move you into that space of gratitude, and it will give you that emotion that you need to have. And somehow it always comes from somewhere, and it always pays you back dividends. So you start there. Secondly, then you start into the how do I build my Security bucket, okay, what are those elements that I need to provide for to make sure i got a roof over my head and that I've got savings in the bank that can be able to take care of it? What is that going to be required and how much can I put into that each month? Mm-hmm. 
the third bucket then is that as I got my security bucket is what I call my um, retirement bucket or my basically you know my my uh, well the, the retirement bucket let's just call it the retirement bucket. How do I make sure that my future is secure? I'm not talking about getting rich, but how do I make sure my future is secure? Do I have 401k in my workplace? Can I take advantage of IRAs? Should I be buying some maybe a little house here and fix it up, rental real estate, whatever it might be? But how do I start? How do I start taking care of the future? And so that I know that I'm secure there. Then you have your get rich bucket. The last bucket is your get rich bucket. And so many people that I've that I've been worked with over the years, no matter how much money they have, they fill up their rich get rich bucket first because they want a shortcut, diamond mine in Brazil, or just somebody comes along with the latest and greatest thing. You can be rich tomorrow, and they start filling up that get rich bucket. But that get rich bucket, if you're not careful, um, it's it's very wobbly. It'll tip over. It does not have a sound bottom foundation, so that bucket can tip over all the time. It's wobbly. So go back to your first bucket, do something for others, then make sure you are taken care of, pay yourself next, <clears throat> pay your future after that, and then start building your get-rich bucket. And as you put handles on those, then that's, that gives you solid, it's just good, solid advice. <clears throat> very, very, very few people in today's world, it's fairly interesting, this would be a good statistic for you to go and look up, but they're, they just completed a study, it was in USA Today, and I might have the source someplace, but anyway, it, uh, where they came in and they said, Today's Y generation, say gen, gen, gen Y, yep. what are your greatest ambitions? Number one, be rich. Number two, be famous. Forty years ago when they did the exact same survey, number one, discover the meaning of life. So you can see how attitudes have changed in 40 years. Wow. And part of that is driven by all of the reality shows that are on TV. You know, we're getting close to somewhere around 70 to 80 different reality shows now that are on all the different networks and cable stations, and they all focus on what? How do I become more famous? If you go to YouTube or you go to MySpace, it's all self-promotion. How do I become more famous? Yeah. And Or how do I become rich fast? And so many people have looked upon that as how do we become rich fast? Wonderful. And they forget the fundamentals. And uh, the fundamentals are the way that if you look at the millionaire next door, the people that really have made it, they've done a, they plotted along, they've done a little bit at a time, they followed sound principles, and that's the formula for success. Love it. The get get rich may happen, but if you put all your basket, you put your eggs in that basket, you have uh, you know the odds are way way against you, and you're putting all your other three buckets at risk. You are collateralizing that bet into the get rich bucket with the other three, the assets in your other three buckets, and you should never do that. Lee, I've got another couple of minutes, um, I think, before we get actually cut off our call at 1 o'clock. Um, I typically end every interview with the same couple of questions um, for all my experts, and they're really just one-liners or one-words. They're a little bit more personal. Um, the first one is, what is the belief that you personally go to during times of change, times of transition, possibly times of crisis? What is that, that one belief that really is your grounding? Uh, that I am a child of God, and my greatest desire is to be aligned with my Father's wishes for me. Fill okay. so in the sentence, the best thing about change is... Oh, wow. I love change. I live in a world of change, so that's that's a hard one. Um, I would say the best thing about change is opportunity. Okay. And what do you feel is the best change that you've ever made? Letting go. You cannot grow without letting go. That's been the most difficult thing for me, to let go of whatever is holding me back, to let go of one business to step into another business, to let go of one belief 
to go into someplace else. Mm-hmm. Letting go, not letting go, is driven by scarcity. Letting go is letting go is driven by abundance. Wonderful. Lee, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, and your experiences with us. And I hope we cross paths soon, and God bless. I've been speaking with Lee Brower. He's a leading wealth expert and founder of the Quadrant Living Experience. For more information about Lee, you can visit his website at leebrower.com. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening. And for more interesting and inspirational interviews, please visit us at first30days.com. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from the First 30 Days. Please visit us on iTunes in the Society and Culture podcast section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.